Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a tremendous presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team, for ushering us into the throne room. Yeah, that's fine. Hallelujah. You guys ready for the word? We have a, a special speaker today. He's traveled all the way from the carriage house today. But before that, Valley Stream, which might as well be India. But we're so uh, excited to have Pastor Will today. He's going to be bringing a word. I know he's going to challenge us, encourage us, maybe even correct us. But he's definitely going to bless us. Amen. So why don't we put our hands together for the speaker for today. Pastor Will Kitchen. Amen. Uh, I'm giving you a handout. Just hold on to that for a few minutes because uh, we're going to, to talk through it. And this morning um, is very much going to be kind of a, a, a life teaching, um, probably a little bit different than normal messages that I know that I uh, typically bring um, because I just feel a, a, a real need and desire for just some practical uh, life wisdom. And, uh, um, you know, this was something here that uh, the Lord gave me actually um, a while back in a, just sitting in a counseling session with somebody, um, not here in Brooklyn, uh, somewhere else. And, uh, and then just in thinking over it and, and, and working through it, and um, I really felt like it was something that I wanted to, to use to help share what I want to talk about this morning. And, um, but it's, it's incredible today how, you know, God works things together. And I know you may be at a different place in your, you know, your faith walk and, and just knowing who God is and how he works in your life. Um, but it's an incredibly humbling thing when you see, you know, God working details together that you, you had no control over. And, um, you know, one of the things and one of the, one of the principles that I try to live my, my life by um, and I don't always get it right. Uh, if I did, I would probably um, be perfect <laughs> on some level. I know that it's something that we, we strive to do is this idea that I, I firmly believe that wherever we're headed in life or wherever God is leading us, not just in eternity, we know that uh, we know this to be true, but even in each moment of our life that God is preparing a place before us. And so I've talked before about living sent, you know, how God wants us to, to follow him and, and walk with him in such a way that each moment uh, we're going into it intentional and, and on purpose. And, and, and that happens because Jesus prepares places for us. You've heard of divine interventions and, 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 and things like that where it just seems like things work out 
you know, somehow in some extraordinary way. But I believe that that there's two 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 major principles. Is one that our life is about us preparing a way for Jesus or preparing the way for Jesus and Jesus preparing the way for us. It's like this this strange dynamic or relationship between two different principles. And we see that in Scripture when you read through the gospel, there's just this constant theme of, you know, uh, of, of prophetically, you know, vo- a voice, a messenger being sent to prepare the way for the Lord. Uh, and then Jesus speaking over his disciples, you know, where I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you. But I see that even in the daily working out of everything in our in our life and in, in and to be successful in this walk, it's it's about preparing a place for Jesus each and every day and each and every moment and in our marriages and in our families and in our workplaces and all of those things, preparing it for Jesus to step in. Because I know that if it's just myself without Jesus, uh, I'm in big trouble and I can find no success anywhere apart from that. Now, if you're in a place to where you just don't want success, you don't want your life to go anywhere and you have no intention on coming out of the mess that you've come out of, uh, then we're going to talk about that just a little bit here this morning. But that's about the saddest place to be whenever you're in a place that God has prepared for you to lead you into victory and freedom, and you you have no intention on taking part of that. You know, that's that's just ultimate, like, they talk about craziness, being doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Craziness is is being in a place that you have no intention of, of gaining from, or you have no intention of learning from or no intention from receiving from. So, um, so this morning, we, there's that, what does it look like then to, to, for Jesus to prepare a place for us? What does it look like to live a life where we prepare a place for Jesus? Um, there's a word that, um, that, I, that I see, that I, uh, there was a quote that I saw a while back, and this word kind of stuck with me. It's the word fidelity. Has anybody ever heard the word fidelity? What, what do you think the word fidelity means? Give me a good definition. Loyalty. Huh? Loyalty. Loyalty? Yeah, it's a good word. Anybody else? Believers. What is it? Believers. Believers? Okay. Fidelity. True. Okay. Um, so fidelity, uh, an actual definition, is faithfulness to a person, cause, or belief demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. And then there's another definition underneath that says the degree of exactness with which something is copied or reproduced. And it's, it's fidelity that is going to bring the long-term freedom, right? It's that faithfulness to the process. It's that faithfulness to a person. And there's two people that we really ultimately want to be faithful to. And out of that comes, comes the ability to be faithful in all places is, number one, we want to be faithful to Christ. And number two, we want to be faithful to ourselves. All of the things that we have done in our lives leading up to this moment as have been, is, has been wrapped up in the idea of being unfaithful to ourself because there is a person that God created and God designed and God placed on this earth that we lost a long time ago because we were unfaithful to the self that we did not even yet know. 
And, and, and sometimes that happens because of, of things that happen to us and the situations and the environments that we're placed in. But, but, but there's a sense in which we don't even know the person that we, are de- that we are designed to be faithful to. But everything that we've been doing has been causing us to be unfaithful to that person because we have not given that person the ability to truly live free and to live successfully and to live the life that he or she was designed to be. But we learn how to do that one when we learn how to do the first one, live faithfully to Jesus. Live faithfully to a cause or a belief, but there's a demonstration that's involved in the choices that we make and in the the commitments that we have and in the processes that life brings us to. And what I see here and the reason why I want to bring this this, this little teaching now is because so many people abandon the processes of God in their life because they try or feel the need to take back control of what's happening and going on around them. We have this innate sort of desire within us that once we get to a certain point, that once that we've gotten past the place of emergency, whenever we've gotten past the place where things are no longer out of control and it seems like things are starting to come together, it's like, okay, now it's time for me to take over, back over control, and now it's take time for me to to start doing what it is that I think that I need to do. And this is a problem, especially in people who have battled an addiction because the addiction does nothing more than highlight the poor judgment and the poor thinking that got us into the places that we were in it didn't change it somehow it just highlighted how much we were wrong but then somehow in the process we begin to believe that we're right again we believe and this morning I I don't know if I if I tagged it or coined the phrase the lie of clean time (laughs) we think well I've been clean for a certain amount of time and so it's now everything's okay. Or I, have, I haven't done drugs in a while. I don't feel like I want to do drugs right now because the lie of clean time. We, we, we believe something that isn't true. And it's most difficult because our mind and the addicted mind thrives off of being, doing, or blaming something or someone else for the situations that we are in. And so we continue to, 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 to be bound by our past, which robs our present and destroys our future. And we're ending and heading nowhere. But it's out of this type of thinking that we choose to latch onto to try to then begin to make decisions for our life moving forward. We don't complete the process that God has us in. But I want you to know today is that the process that we are in must be completed, and it's the completion of that process that leads to and opens the doors for the next season and the next place that God has us in. And it's the degree to which we fail to complete the processes and the seasons in our life that we will experience the pain and the consequences of the failure to complete the seasons and the processes in our life. And I am certainly one of those individuals who has failed to complete seasons and processes in my life. And I stand here today in the position that I'm in, which some might consider, wow, you know, but you've done a lot with your life. You've made a good life for yourself or, you know, you've, you've got a family, you've got education, but you have no idea the pain that I went through that was unnecessary on the backside to continue to fight to get to this place that I'm in. 
the choices that were made and the destruction that was caused and the things that I, that I went through that was absolutely unnecessary. And the problem with that is, is it's one thing to cause destruction in your life when you have absolutely no understanding of who God is and no understanding what your true identity in him is. It's a complete another, completely different thing altogether to have known him and to have understood your identity and then to have gone and made decisions that caused destruction and hurt and shame. And there's a lot of people that don't make it out of that. And so my plead with you today is not don't just be willing to do the minimum or do just enough or to go through the process just to the point to where I know that I can make it and I can fight my way through. I'm a survivor. I've always done this. Don't allow yourself to be in that place because this is not something that you can play with because it's not something that is that is promised that everyone makes it out of. God began a good work in you. And the Bible tells us he's faithful to complete that work. But we must acknowledge that he began a work. And if we acknowledge that he began a work, then we acknowledge that there's a work that needs to be completed. And luckily, not luckily, thankfully, there is a God who does complete what he started. And so I want to talk to you about this uh, process. First, let me read a a portion of scripture. I'm going to read a couple of them as we go throughout this. Sometimes uh, you can learn great truths from extremely small things. And uh, in Proverbs chapter 6, oh, let me change this. In Proverbs chapter 6, it says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. (laughs) Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. You know why that is? Is because what you do in, in this season directly affects the next. And the principle that we learn from the ant is not just to live in the now. We've lived in the now for so long. An ant could walk out down on the sidewalk and say, hmm, there's something to eat. Let me just get that for today and then can keep on moving. And we're very good at that. Let me get my hit for the day. Let me get my fix for the day. Let me get the, the, the acceptance or the power or the control that I need today. Let me do manipulate to get what it is that I need for today, for this moment, just to get me through. And then we live moment to moment, just like somebody who, 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 who lives paycheck to paycheck. They're just always struggling. They're always fighting, always really behind the curve. But God's desire for us because he goes to prepare a place for us is that we don't just live for the now, but it's in the work that we do for the now that we begin to set up what is coming next in the future. And the reason why we are caught off guard and the reason why it says a little slumber and a, and a folding of hands to rest and poverty will pounce on you is because you don't know when the next season will begin because God has determined those things, not you. And, it's, and, and the problems start to happen when we begin to think, well, it's my job to determine when the next season begins. And then your will and your alignment of things gets out of alignment with the God who has went before you to prepare a place for you. And so now you begin to take on responsibilities that you were never meant to carry in that moment. And you begin to take on yourself the, the role of making choices that you were never meant to make in that moment because you have a limited vision of the life and everything that's going on around you because God has not yet prepared you with the 
wisdom or the grace or the strength to handle you for what's next. And so when that next season comes and you've been sleeping and you've been resting and you've been wasting your entire time not getting from that season what you need, the next one comes on you like a storm and you're not prepared. You're not going through what you're going through now for now. You're going through what you're going through now for what's coming next. If you're just trying to catch up with what's going on now, you're already behind. And the reason why you're behind is because you weren't preparing for the next season in the season before. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're fighting with a losing deck. And so learn a lesson from the ants. Prepare now for the season to come. And so one of the things that I want to do is use this sheet of paper to help you understand the process that you're in and the place that you were either at or you were coming to. And I labeled it just briefly, just for lack of a better words, because I haven't fully developed this, the crossroad of recovery. Everybody has one? Do we need to make any more copies, everybody? I'm going to take a drink before we jump into this. So what you'll notice is when you look on the left-hand side of the page, there's a box, box there that's filled in that says past. Everybody sees that? And on the right hand of the page, there's a box there that's filled in that says future. And there's a bunch of stuff in between. So we're going to start on the left, and we're going to move right just so everybody knows the direction that we're going. And just in case you don't quite understand, there's arrows. So the place where God has brought you from, your past, is that black box on the left, and you have been brought into an opportunity. God has led you out of that by this place called Teen Challenge, which signified there. And you've been traveling, and you've been going through Teen Challenge, and what you have received in here for Teen Challenge is what is, has been completely up to you and will determine what the future of your life will look like. I talk often with people, if you've ever sat with me before, the difference between investing time and spending time. It's a lot like either investing money or spending money. You can either spend your time on just getting through the now and just getting and acquiring the things that you need to satisfy yourself in that moment that brings you no lasting enjoyment or abilities or strengths Or you can invest your time, meaning that I put all of myself into each and every moment and I live it on purpose, knowing that the return that I'm going to get is so much more greater than the temporary fulfillment or excitement or comfortability that I could gain for myself in the moment. And that's what a lot of this boils down to is comfortability, just like what Pastor Paul mentioned a few minutes ago. And that's why I'm grateful for the way that God things work together. Are we going to live for comfortability or are we really going to take hold of the future that God has for us so that we can not have to fight for those things anymore? So that we can have true joy and have true peace. But we, God leads us into this place, this uncomfortable place, because it takes an uncomfortable place to begin to help us to confront us with the uncomfortable things about our life. And then we arrive at this place, this crossroads, where you see an arrow going up and an arrow going down. And being involved in Teen Challenge for over a decade and having sat down with many people who have, who have and are going through the program and also being in different seasons of my life, I've learned a couple of different things. 
that number one, when people find themselves at this crossroad, there's two places that they can go based off basically two perspectives that you will find almost 100% of the time, if not 150% of the time. And the first one is, and purposely, the arrow that is going down. And you'll notice there on one side of the arrow, what leads us down is what I feel that I need to do. Nothing will hinder the process that God has for you more than you doing what you feel that you need to do. And that goes for everyone, not just those of us that are in this room, but especially those of us that are living in this room because we've done everything based off of what we feel that we need to do. And we fail to realize that even though we've been in this process of Teen Challenge just a little, a little while, that we haven't learned the lesson yet. If I get to the place where I'm being led astray by what I feel that I need to do, then it shows that I have not really gleaned the major lesson of what this last season of Teen Challenge was all about. Because one of the main things that it was there to help me to do was to stop doing what I feel that I need to do. Yet so many people come to this crossroads and trying to make a decision based off of what I feel. And it just shows that the person of the past is still living in the present. And so they begin to take control based off their limited vision. And you see there the bottom left-hand side, I called it the land of limited vision. Because all that you can see and all that you can perceive is limited to the things that you've experienced and what you've seen before. Your knowledge, your experience, and your understanding. And if you put that onto the scope of reality and all of the things that are going on in this world and you compare it to the power and the knowledge and the presence of God, it is absolutely nothing. It's like a sand on the seashore, but this is the limited perspective by which we like to make decisions. And we come to this crossroads and we say, well, I feel that I need to do this. I am far enough in my process that I need to do this. It is time for me now to take back control, though I have not completed the process that God has started in me, and this is the reason why I need to get a job. I need to find a place to live. I need to find a relationship. My girlfriend is out there waiting. What am I ever going to do if I don't talk to my girlfriend? And I've got to have some money. How dare Teen Challenge not let me carry my money? So I make a decision based off what I feel that I need to do. But the problem is, that I have not gone through the process. And the process has not made way for the next season that I'm going to enter into. Remember, Jesus always prepares a place for you. And when you stop short in his process, you stop short of the place that he prepares for you. So I get down to this place where I'm saying now, well, I got to find a job. I got to find a place to live. I got to find a relationship. I got to find my money and get some money so that I can live. But the problem is, is I've been in Teen Challenge for a while and I don't have these things. I don't have any money and I don't have any relationships or the relationships that I have aren't good relationships. And I don't really have a place to live because I don't have any money. And it's hard to find a job because I've got a felony and I've been living in Teen Challenge and nobody wants to hire somebody that's been in a program. And so what am I going to do? Well, I know where I can get a job. I know where I I can find a place to live, and I know somebody that I've been in relationship before, and I know how to get money because we're operating in our limited perspective and vision. And so notice the direction of the arrows. Which way do they go? Backwards. Because what you'll notice is, is our past is defined by the things that you see on the left-hand side. Addiction, 
brokenness, hurt, shame, sickness, lack of control. And these are just a small scope of all of the things that we struggle with. And you could probably fill in a number of things in there, abuse and, and, and all of this different type of a stuff. And then there's and then just right to the right of that are all the ways that we tried to deal with all of those things. We did drugs. We got into relationships that weren't good for us. We got into jobs because we thought that if we had the right job, that it would lead us to a better place. And we, we tried to find a good place to live because we needed the right place to stay, but we kept finding ourselves again with the wrong people. And we thought that if we had enough money, we would be able to just make ourselves happy. But the problem is, is that none of those things will, will, will work to heal or to satisfy the person that has been lost and broken by addiction and shame and hurt and abuse and all of those different things. And so what happens is when we fall short of the process that God has us in and we say, it's time that I feel that I need to do something and I take control based off of limited vision and I have not completed the process that God has me in, all of the things that I think that I need, I don't have the ability to get. And so I have to go backwards in my process to begin to get those things. And when I go back in my process to get those things, I put myself in the same position that I just came out of and I lead myself back to the past that I just spent months trying to come out of. Because I'm not willing to stay in the process. So here's the other part, the place that God wants us to be. I get to this crossroads, this place where I'm struggling and this place where I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, man, what, what do I need to do? I'm, you know, I, I know that I'm not finished yet, but I'm really struggling. Well, the place that we always need to focus is not on what we feel we need to do, but who it is that we need to become. If we focus our lives on who it is that we need to become and that process that we're in, then that happens when we, as it says there, surrender not to our limited vision, but to God's vision. And there's a reason we don't understand God's vision is because we have limited vision. There's a reason why we don't understand what the way that Teen Challenge works or the things that Teen Challenge does or how this whole process is supposed to work because it's not our wisdom. It's not our decision. It's counterintuitive because we need counterintuitive. It's based off of God's vision because God sees where he's taking us because God alone has prepared a place for us. And so all of the things that he brings us into are to develop us and to help us understand who we really are so we can go back to what I talked about at the beginning, to be faithful to the person that God actually created us to be, not the failure that we've been of trying to be somebody that we're not. Because each and every one of us who sit in this place today, no matter who we've been in the past, it's been a failure of trying to be somebody else. And you might think that that's offensive. Oh, you tell me that I failed. How can you tell me that I'm a failure? Well, if you haven't been being yourself and you could never be someone else, then all you could ever do is fail to be somebody else. And when you fail to be somebody else instead of be yourself, there's nothing good that can come from that. But so many believe the lie. Oh, I've got to be myself. I've got to do my thing. I've got to, you know, I've got my look. I've got my style. I've got my all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, all right, well, then, yeah, go ahead and do all that stuff because those things will get you nowhere. But he says, who, but the, the decision is what I feel that I need to do or who that I need to become. Who I need to become is determined by God, not myself. Because I've already shown that I don't have the ability to determine who it is that I need to become. And there's four things specifically that I think that God leads us into when we start this conversation. And the first one is our identity. What is our identity? Our identity is sons and daughters of God. The process that we are in, and if we don't understand that first, 
then that should be the first, the first thing in this process. And as Pastor Don says, your program doesn't even begin until you get to that point. It's not about time. Because there's, I have a newsflash for you. Is your recovery time has, like, the year that you spend in Teen Challenge is nothing. Because we're not asking you to give up a year. We're asking you to give up the rest of your life. We're asking you to give up the rest of your life. This is not a few months. This is not a year. This is not 18 months. This is not getting to a certain place to where now I can do this. No, it's about giving up the rest of your life. The life that you've been living is no more. It's this new life that God has for me that doesn't stop when you graduate. And if it stops when you graduate, you're going to end up like a lot of other people who have found themselves back in this position because it's continuing to live the life that God teaches you to live in this season because each season builds upon the season before it. And so if you walk into another season forgetting what you have done in the past, you're already beginning the process of failure because each new season has to build off the one before. You have to continue to practice the things that you have already learned. And we see that in Scripture actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, uh, there's a few principles there, and Paul is talking about uh, uh, something specific with, his, with, his, uh, with these individuals in Corinth, but he says something powerful. He says, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so you will be full of joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. It's by putting into practice the things that you have learned that you continue to walk in freedom. This is not about getting to a place where now I'm free and now I can just do whatever I want. So God brings us to this place to bring us and help us understand our identity. And out of understanding our identity, now we begin to build character because character is the substance of sonship. I cannot, I cannot walk as a son, and God cannot bless me as a son if I choose not to walk in that identity. It has nothing to do with whether God loves you or accepts you. It's that the person that he has blessed is his son, not the person that is failing to be somebody else. So God has a great and powerful blessing for you, but it comes whenever you walk in the identity of sonship, and it comes as you continue to the, in the substance of that sonship, which is your character. And out of character comes the blessing of sonship, which is understanding your gifts and your talents, and the result of sonship is your purpose, which leads you into your future. But that's the process. It starts when I begin to understand my identity. And the fruit of understanding my identity is the substance of my identity, which is the building of character. And out of the building of character, when I've gone through the process of that, then come my gifts and my talents. Because gifts and talents get us nowhere if they are, and they are, if they are in operation apart from character. And so many of us want to jump over. Well, now I'm a son. I want to get to my gifts and my, my talents because I want to somehow speed up the process. I can't stop it short, but I also can't speed it up. I must go through it on God's time or thing gets out of sync. There's, the Holy Spirit is like the, the timing belt of a motor, right? This thing that has to be in sync and has to be in time for everything else to work properly so that your car will function. And the Holy Spirit operates as the timing belt to keep everything into line. And the way that you get into time to begin with is to become a son. And then you stay in the process that God has for you as he builds your character. And then out of your character, because God goes before you to prepare a place, by completing the season in the process of character building, he leads you to your gifts and to your talents. If you get to your gifts and talents apart from character, you will never realize your purpose. And so we go through this struggle 
And there's a few principles about this, is that first we have to understand the season or the stage that we're in. We have to be able to look around us and notice that what is required and what is needed in this season. We have to let the completion of each stage open the door for the next one. Too many times we get to a place and we say, well, I've got to, or I feel the need to go and to begin to open doors. But the problem is, is that if doors are opened by the completion of stages, that means that's the, the completion of that stage means that we've gone and cleared the path. But so many people walk down paths that have not been cleared, and they, I don't know if you've ever been hiking, but if you walk down a path that's full of brush and full of thorns and full of rocks and all those sorts of things, it just doesn't look like a lot of life is there, right? It just doesn't look like this is the way that I'm supposed to go. Because we have not allowed the pathway to be cleared to the door that leads to life. And so we get to the door and it's all overgrown with, 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 with leaves and branches and ivy and all of these sorts of things. And well, it just doesn't look like the door that leads to life. That's because you haven't completed the process which leads you to that door. And so we don't have the ability to discern where it is that God is leading us. And then we have to let the practice of each new stage build off the last one, not replace it. And so here's a couple of principles that we can take with us, and then we're going to be finished. And Mary, you could come to the, the keyboard this morning. And I'm going to pull them right out of here, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the verses that I just read to you. But Paul says, talking about this process uh, that the Corinthians are in, he says, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. You know, the first principle that we need, to, that we, need to, we need to understand is we need to understand who is on our side. Who is on our side? We've lived so long avoiding boundaries and accountability that we don't understand that boundaries and accountability is actually good for us. And because we don't understand that boundaries and accountability are good for us, then we're unable to believe that people who provide boundaries and accountabilities are good for us. We think that people who provide boundaries and accountabilities are actually standing in our way. And when we believe that people who provide boundaries and accountabilities are standing in our way, we get caught in our feelings and then we begin to make those statements, I feel that I need to do. And when I feel that I need to, then I feel like I have to. And when I feel like I have to, then I feel like I should. And when I feel like I should, eventually I will. And then I begin that backward cycle. So I have to understand who is on my side. And boundaries and accountability is good for relearning what is right and wrong because the definitions change at each new stage in life. They were like, well, how is that true? Because what was right and wrong for you yesterday is going to increase the next day. And I heard a friend of mine talk about the closer that he gets to the Lord, how the road narrows. That as God calls us higher, the, 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 the things that we used to partake in the day before that may have been okay for that season and that God may have looked over for that season because we were not in a season yet to understand the finer things of following God. And we did not have the ability to follow on the level to which he's really ultimately calling us to because I believe that God works with us in the season that we're in. So that the more that I get nearer to Jesus, the, the obedience road begins to narrow. And so God no longer allows me to get away with things that I was getting away with in the past. The definitions, I have to relearn the definitions 
as I begin to walk in my new self. And we say, well, that's not very free. That's not very fun. Depends on what your definition of free is. And so many people think freedom is the ability to make my own choices. But their ability to make their own choices just leaves them bound. When I was young, like real young and immature, it took me a while to realize how immature I was. In fact, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still learning there. But when I was young and immature, you know, I felt like, you know, there were certain things that were important to me that, that equated freedom. And they were all material things. They were all things that when you really mature and you really begin to good life, you realize those things don't really matter anymore. Now freedom is being able to love my kids in a way that is edifying and strengthening and building up to them and not being bound by my own feelings or my own anger or my own frustrations or my own insecurities of being a father. Freedom, true freedom, is being able to love my wife in a way that's good for her and that's sustainable for my family and not continue to act on the things that I want to do because I feel that I need to do them and causing problems and causing hurt and causing pain. Freedom is the ability to find what it is that I'm created to do instead of wasting time running around all over the place putting my hands on things that I was never made to touch. Freedom is the ability not to worry about what I'm, I'm thinking about and what I'm doing because God has given me the wisdom to understand what is best. And it's growing in things that matter that bring freedom, not just the ability to choose. And the second thing that we have to understand uh, he says that we want to work together with you so you will be full of joy. Understand, we have to understand how to work as a team. You know, there's a reason why the Bible tells us that, uh, that uh, number one, to seek wisdom, but number two, that there is, there's health and there's life and there's power in counsel and walking with others. And this whole life that he created and that he called us to is one that we walk with him and that we walk with others. Because we're supposed to be people that are found in community. We're supposed to be people that thrive off of the life that we provide for each other. Not the ways that we tear our, each other down with our pursuit of things that bring us death. Understand how to work as a team. Understand who's for you and understand who's against you. Understand the people that you've allowed on your team that don't belong on your team because they are not there for good reasons and for good purposes. Do we love everybody? Absolutely. But do, are we wise with who we allow to influence our life? Absolutely. And the last thing that he tells us is, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. We have to understand how to take ownership of the process that we're in, the process of faith. In the process of faith, faith I've talked about before is hopeful participation in what we are patiently expecting. It's not just this real strong desire or belief or, or, or getting myself all worked up about something. It's just like fidelity. Fidelity is faithfulness and demonstration. It's commitment to that faithfulness. And that's what faith is. Faith is the ability to not only trust in God, but to live a life that trusts God. 
And it takes making decisions and doing things that are right. And a faith that will keep us firm, a faith that, is, that, 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 that shows that we've taken ownership is one that finds its expression in prayer. It's one that finds its expression in, in the reading of Scripture. It's one that finds its expression in worship and the guiding of our affections. It's one that finds its expression in the way that we love one another, the way that we're generous with our time and our resources and who we are. And it's one that finds its, 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 its expression in the holiness and the righteousness that we pursue. God has given us our hopeful expectation of what we're patiently waiting for is righteousness. And so what do we do? We don't just believe real bad, God, one day I'm going to be so good. No, we, we commit ourselves to pursuing the righteousness that he has provided. But that's what the process looks like. And the, the things that we need to judge our process by are not how much time we've spent in it. Because you, just like the children of Israel showed us in Scripture, is you can walk for 40 years to go just a couple miles. And how many times in our life have we been so busy? Have we been running? Have we worked so hard for decades to get nowhere? But it's the faithful participation in the process that Jesus has, one step in front of the other. And that's why I love that commercial that, with that fidelity investments, the very word where they have the green dot that follows the line. <laughs> it's annoying. There's days where I'd wake up and I'm like, I am not going to follow the green dot today. It's annoying. I don't want to be stuck in that. But it's in my decision to follow the green dot today that absolutely transforms my tomorrow. And by transforming my tomorrow, because I'm, follow, I'm going in the direction that Jesus has led me into the place that he has prepared for me where I find life and I find joy and I find truth and I find the power and the ability to sustain me and to sustain the freedom that Christ has won for me. And so I want to read those words that song that we sang earlier, because I, find, I think that this is, this is it. This is what I shared earlier. And I'm just going to be straightforward. It doesn't matter how much, how many books you do, if you complete the phases, if you walk all the way through this thing, if the, if the words of this song aren't your testimony, then you should not go anywhere. You will never leave. Your love sustaining me. Before I even knew what love was, you've brought me here to rest and given me space to breathe, so I'll stay still until it sinks in. I'll stay still. If I gotta stay in this process for 20 years, God, I'm gonna stay still till I understand what it means to live a life that rests in God. I will lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. Breathe deep and know that he is good. He is a love like no other. And it's getting to that place where everything else starts. And it's pursuing that place that begins in moments like these that may not make sense to us. These crazy people standing in a room, singing loud, raising their hands. Still going outside these doors and making mistakes. Like, who are they? Who are they to raise their hands? Who are they to sing these songs? Who are they to act like they serve God? 
And I heard a long time ago, one of the presidents, former presidents of the Bible college I went to said there's two, two kinds of people in a, in a worship service. There's people who worship and there's people who criticize those that do. And so who are we going to be today? Because each and every moment is part of the process that Jesus has for us. And each and every moment that we choose or we refuse to maximize will show up later in the next season. And it will bring the trouble for that season to come. And that will lead to another message that I'll probably speak next time out of 1 Samuel. When God told Saul to defeat the Amalekites but didn't. And so we're going to just close and I want to pray for you. I hope that this wasn't too, uh, too overbearing, too, too technical. It just felt like what was on my heart. And it's not just about us in this room, everybody who's watching. These principles work f- for everyone that we have to complete the process. We have to allow God to lead us through each season that he brings us into. And that's the life. That's the life that lives free from addiction. That's the life that lives free from anger, that lives free from the brokenness and the, and the resentment. That's the life that is able to forgive, that is able to love, that is able to sustain the success that God is leading us into. And so, Father, I thank you for the men in this room and Francine. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to this place to rest. And we look around and and we see a rock to lay our head on. And we have a choice, Lord, to lay our head down on that rock and trust that you will bring us rest even while we lay our head on a rock or whether we will reject that place of rest to go find our own bed and our own place to rest. And so God, I pray that you would give us the grace even now in this moment to find rest in the place that you've brought us. To be willing to choose identity over doing and feeling and the things that life in life that continue to draw us backwards. God, I know And I can see to some extent, Lord, even with my limited vision, Lord, the great things that you have in store for each one in this room. And so, God, I know that if I can see it and then I can be frustrated, Lord, when people stop short the process, Lord, I know, Lord, how much it breaks your heart because you fully understand what's waiting for them on the other side. And so, Lord, I pray that we would understand your heart today. That, Lord, over the next few days, Lord, that all of this would begin to minister and to come together and to make sense and to encourage and strengthen us, Lord. But, Lord, I pray that it would be said of us that we stay still 
until we know, until it sinks in, that you're a good father with good things that is worthy of our trust and our faith and our obedience. You are good. You are good, Lord. So as Mary leads us in this song, I'd like, I'd like to just come to a place of honesty because if you're not honest about where you are, you're never going to honestly get where you need to go. And so if you're in this place and you feel like you're at this crossroads, uh, when we all stand, I would like you to be willing to be honest, to admit and to come forward. But come forward if you're willing to trust God and you're willing to say that, God, I'm at this crossroads, but in this moment, I am choosing surrender and I'm, and I'm choosing to trust you, knowing that you're going to provide the grace that I need to sustain me as you complete what you started. Amen.